Hello, good evening and welcome to The Pinkin Show, our dedicated canary shenanigans that's been papering over things we don't like for years. Uh, I'm Michael Bailey, we are here at the Woolpack Public House, of course, in the centre of Norwich. We are live and over the next 30 minutes or so, uh, we will discuss City's Blades draw, look at the current championship picture, wonder what the end of the January transfer window has in store, reveal the winner of Ed Cousins Lake's much-entered book competition and prepare ourselves for a serious Saturday evening in Prospect in Yorkshire. And we will do all of this in the company of tonight's superb guests. They are former Norwich West Ham and England striker Dean Ashton and TV commentator extraordinaire Dan O'Hagan. Gentlemen, pleasure to see you both. How are you? Well? Very well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, enjoying the football, no alcohol, which is hard in here. <laughs> but, is this dry January or yeah, a concerted well, effort? February as well. I'm trying to go for a little two-month spell, but uh, all good. Good work, well done. Dan, how are you? Great. I mean, always good to be here and uh, yeah, enjoying Norwich's season and uh, yeah we'll see uh, how the season finishes up this year because it's all looking really good. It is indeed both on a pints of Diet Cokes well done gents I'm on my pineapple juice don't give us too much stick for it uh, that would be rude. So once again we are live on Pinkin.com, the Pinkin Facebook page, Twitter, Periscope and YouTube all being well. Tony behind the uh, iPad's not looking too flustered, so that's good. Well, he is looking a bit flustered, actually. Uh, over, over the course of the show, we want to hear from you, of course, too, that be it on your thoughts on Saturday's draw, uh, your requests for the final 24 hours of the transfer window. Can you believe it's almost all over? Uh, hopes and fears ahead for that trip to Leeds, and especially in light of Norwich City visiting Formula One team Red Bull Racing this week, uh, we want to know the one thing you would introduce to football from another sport and while we welcome serious suggestions don't feel you have to stick to them i was obviously going to shoot horn in something with f1 are uh, you two think about that other sports something to introduce football we'll come on to it uh, later you can get all of those through to us here down the pump simply post your words below the live feeds in either the pink and facebook page youtube chat box uh, reply to the pink and twitter or periscope streams and i will do my best if at all possible to keep track with every single one of them I'm not being rude, I promise. Uh, right, let's crack on then, shall we? Dan, you're going to use a knife and your um, glass because we're without uh, Anel Hernandez this week. We do have Wesley Moulahan, though, thankfully. Here are this week's Norwich City headlines. Walk on the wild side. Chris Wilder emphasises Norwich City's quality and stopping the pink dressing room effect as his Sheffield United side earn a point at Carrow Road. Norwich stopping them from picking up three will have to do for now. All quiet on the January front. No first team ins or outs. That's the picture heading into the final 24 hours of the winter transfer window. That's still plenty of time, of course, for Norwich to bring one in if they wish to. Although it seems unlikely any more outs will follow unless Ivo Pinto can nail his next move. He will have his sky pass, be it in this life or the next. Russell Crowe wants to know where in New York he can watch his beloved Leeds United get beaten by Norwich City. Uh, fortunately, a lot of Canaries have at least made the effort to tell Mr Gladiator it will be worth the watch. Russell, if you're watching, you're not, clearly. Uh, let us know what you made of the game afterwards. Hopefully, no one comes out wielding a lion or some such. And finally, Jacob on the move. Murphy set for West Brom loan move. That could yet play a part in his former club's promotion push. So someone's very excited about that over in the corner. Um, uh, we wish you well, Jacob, especially against the rest of the top six, assuming it actually happens. Because at this time of year, 
<laughs> Who knows? It's the way it works. Top work, Dan. Happy with that? Yeah, not a bad bit of knife action, was it? <laughs> yeah, indeed. Safely done. That's the most important thing. Uh, so Sheffield United. Uh, Dean, you were there in the stands, as I was. A bit, a bit weird. Um, proper game, wasn't it? It felt like a proper game. Loads riding on it. And what did you make of the actual 90 minutes as they unfolded? Uh, like you, I was. it was nice to just go. Just took my two children, went along. Nice to just enjoy it, sit back and actually... I know you, when, you, when obviously I'm working on the game, I'm looking at a lot of things, but actually just going there um, for pleasure it was nice to actually specifically look at certain players and see how they're playing off the ball um, which is difficult when you're commentating so that was that was good it was a, it was a very very good game I thought Norwich for the first half an hour were incredible just unplayable and Sheffield United I don't think would have played against a, a better side in, in that period of time this season they couldn't get close to the way Norwich were playing the, the first goal was, was outstanding um, but then after that I honestly thought Sheffield United dominated the rest of the game um, I think they got to grips with not allowing Norwich to play out from the back they pressed a little bit high set themselves up a little bit better defensively from when Tim Krul had the ball and I just thought they dominated us for the rest of the, the rest of the game which is is credit to them and shows what qualities they've got as well so a real proper proper top of the table clash and you can see why they're both up there a real clash of styles as well because the way Sheffield United do things they have their, their centre backs and, and they do all sorts with them in terms of overloads and what have you it's, it's a really interesting way they go about things and, and Norwich didn't really adapt what they did they just tried to keep doing what they did and hope it would come off which in fairness has kind of worked a lot of this season as well it has and I think they scored Norwich two fantastic goals but my concern is they are giving goals away far too cheaply to the end I mean defensively Norwich at the moment they look a soft touch and if you're going to be in, in the top two end of the season that has to be sorted out because they're giving away far too many goals when they really shouldn't be and okay they played a good team at the weekend but the clean sheets have rather dried up haven't they that, that's actually on my list because it is it is it just a, a, a consequence of how Norwich play or can, can they they've obviously had spells last season when they were tight at the back but they were playing a, a sort of a different brand of football almost it was only in its formative stages I suppose that this season can they, can they do that or is that just going to have to be something they deal with and try and outscore whoever they're playing against I think it's difficult I think Dan just said earlier at the bar he sort of said Norwich have to score two goals to win any game which doesn't sound unbelievable but actually that, that is hard work week in week out to keep having to do that and they, they have been doing that but slowly but surely over the season and against the top sides that, that could cost Norwich in the end but I just think We've got to understand you've got two very, very young, inexperienced fullbacks. You've got Ben Godfrey, who arguably isn't a, a centre back, could be a holding midfield player, and he's young and inexperienced himself. I think it's it's very, very difficult for them, albeit we're looking at the two fullbacks and going, they've been superb going forward, um, magnificent, in fact. But actually, they've made quite a few mistakes defensively, um, so it's difficult. I think they're. Daniel Fark was trying to balance that and we've struggled with a few injuries at the back. It's remarkable because I came away from the game just reminding myself how young that back four is. Um, this does feel like a crucial period. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Leeds game quite a lot. But um, again, it probably came into that on Saturday. This There will be doubts about how far Norwich can go, won't there? Alongside their self-belief of how far they want to go. And it's the same with Sheffield United to a degree because their form fell off a cliff last season. They will, but even through what's been a fairly sticky spell, they're still up there. So they've had their wobble and maybe now they'll kind of get players back from injury. Obviously, they miss Tetty, they miss Closer, they miss Light. They're really key players this season. Get those players back and they can go on and run again. It's just, I think this sticky spell's over now maybe and they can look to build on again with a, a fully fit squad because um, they're still what up there in second place and you know even after a 
a poor recent run. So lots of people have spoken about the games. Both sides have still got to play. Who's got the easier run from here? Blah, blah, blah. Who should have taken the three points, whatever. Who was it a better point for on Saturday, do you think? Sheffield United, because... I thought in the once they got their, their equalising goal, I thought Norwich was sort of there for the taking. They didn't look like they had that same sort of energy that they have had in previous games. Um, but he took off Billy Sharp and actually looked like they weren't throwing men forward. They looked like they were very, very happy with the point. But in turn, actually, like the West Brom game, like the Nottingham Forest game, they're, they're, they're difficult fixtures and Norwich have managed to pick up points and actually haven't lost any ground particularly on any other teams which is quite good in such a tough run yeah I'd agree with that I think um, Norwich to have led the game twice and not to have won the look at it as a negative but again it's a game against a rival where they've not lost they've not lost ground to a chief rival so for both teams a good point yeah I think as you say for the Blades a better point but nonetheless you know Norwich are up there still in second place stuff. cheers gentlemen right um, get your questions in I'm going to go through some of them on here if I can keep them flooding in uh, we are of course live so um, uh, do that uh, as I said we want to hear uh, what you want introduced into football uh, from another sport doesn't have to be sensible um, like fast cars F1 cars let's, let's all drive around those during a game uh, anyway, what have we got here? Uh, let's have a look. Um, Dan Smith says, good luck whoever is directing. So Dan's wishing you well, Tony. Good stuff. I'm sure he'll give you a uh, critical view as well afterwards. Uh, Ian Honeyman, hopefully Nelson will score a hatful at Reading and become a valuable asset in the summer window. Of course, when I gave you the headlines, of course, the one out we have had has been Nelson on loan. He uh, scored on his debut, so that was good for, for uh, Reading. Um, Dave Winter says, hello everyone from Q8. Good stuff. Hope, hope all's well in Q8. Probably a bit warmer. We've got snow here at the moment. Um, uh, what else have we got? Uh, Barry Newman, here you go. As a former striker, how highly does Dean rate Temu Puki? Presumably higher than Chris Sutton, <laughs> who had to apologise this week. Not for the first time. No, exactly, no. But um, I, I think probably like a lot of people, I hadn't, I hadn't seen him play before, uh, before he came to, to England. But obviously I'd looked at his record and you wouldn't have said at this stage of the season he would have got as many goals as he had. But again, having to having getting to go to the game at the weekend and being able to watch him specifically off the ball and what he does not only does he have everything that Nelson Oliveira doesn't have which is a work rate and a, uh, the perfect attitude to play up front on your own but actually the runs he makes I think are superb the minute Zimmerman uh, sorry not Zimmerman Steeperman uh, gets the ball and turns he just the, the, the runs he makes very very clever takes defenders away um, and also obviously his finishing ability surprised me I mean the goal at the weekend showed what quality he's got just a deft touch to be able to, to sort of curl that into the far corner I think shows his shows his quality and his movement in the box is, is superb so he's kind of got the all-round game the only thing he hasn't got that maybe Jordan Rhodes has got which is that ability in, in the air that he's better at holding it up Jordan Rhodes than, than team so against Sheffield United we were struggling trying to get it out he doesn't tend to win a lot but that's probably my only criticism to be honest it's interesting when Jordan came on they started pinging it beyond him didn't he to run after which probably wasn't the best idea uh, but there we go um, brilliant loads more of those keep them coming in those are from the Facebook I'll try and check the other feeds as well uh, in a bit so Saturday was a, captain, a captivating affair as we've been discussing here are some of the key sights sounds and views from the day at Carroll Road And 
the teams are just in. Uh, Norwich, as expected, are unchanged. There's not a lot of daylight between the two teams, so you can you can paint a theory that it will be any different today. I don't think Norwich are going to romp this. They're going to have to anything they get against this team will be hard earned. Um, so in the end, there wasn't that late Carrero drama that everyone was sort of thinking, here we go again, as uh, as we entered those five minutes of injury time. Probably a fair result, and the result, both teams can live with it, and we protected our um, our position in comparison to Sheffield, we are three, still three points ahead of them, so it's it's not a bad result for us. Yeah, it's possibly the, the hardest game that we've had this season, so we, we, we're delighted to get something from the game. Everyone was going on about, well, oh, we need the three points a day, we got Leeds next week, but at the end of the day, all right, we'll get a point this week, we get three next week at Leeds. But a bit disappointed we were because we were pretty, pretty close today um, to make a really massive step. There we go. Uh, you can catch all our superb. I label it that. Pink and match day coverage across all our usual social media channels. The Pink and app. Don't forget that. And of course, pinkan.com. Uh, so, you may have been under a rock or just not paid any attention to it this month. It's perfectly understandable. But tomorrow is deadline day for the January transfer window. 11 p.m. is the key time. Probably wouldn't bother being up until that late. Uh, certainly, if you don't have any extensions to hand, that is the time you need to be awake until. Uh, it's been a very quiet window so far for Norwich City. Um, and I guess the thing we like to keep asking is, is there anything that Norwich need to do? When you look at that squad, which is quite big in some ways, do you look at it and go, probably need to sort that out? I think right now they're in a good place. I think um, when you get the Tetis back and the Lightners back, the squad's very strong. I think in most areas there's cover, so I don't really think there's an urge to go and sign players for the sake of it. Um, whether a player becomes available who Norwich think we have to have him, fair enough. But for me right now, there's no great urge to go and buy a player for the sake of it. Because the thing that always alters the dynamic is what other teams do, isn't it? Especially for fans, because they'll look at the other teams, especially in a promotion race. We're not talking mid-table here, are we? And what the other sides do, they may be like going, oh, we need to do something as well. That, that's probably a difficult pressure for Norwich to manage. It is, but there hasn't been many moves, to be honest, at the top of the, the championship. And that's been... It's been interesting because I thought there would be certain teams that would make as you know some significant moves to try and really push the top two, but it hasn't figured out that way. So I think it's going to very much stay the the sort of eight or nine teams that are there. But I think it could go right to the end of the season. But Norwich, I would just all I would say is not that it would unsettle things, but you've got young players there that you want to keep being able to give a chance to the likes of. Tom
Todd Cantwell, who was on the on the bench for the last couple of games. But you wouldn't want somebody to come in and then he's missing out, unless you feel like you can. Um, is that Todd? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> so um, I just think at the moment everything seems very happy there. I don't think there's any need, and, and we'll be getting players back from injury as well, which I think will help. Really difficult balance between freshening. Just one person freshens things up a little bit compared to bringing. Uh, three or four in uh, this is a horrible question but I get to ask it so I will ask it and, and then not deal with it um, anyone you wish that they had have brought in is there any when you look at the moves it's difficult because Norwich are fishing in a different pond to some teams but players who are doing around the championship well Ip- Ipswich took James Collins and I knew that he was still training and was keeping fit and I just thought with, with the injuries that we had at the back, he would have been the type of character, I think, that could have come in and, and made a difference. Very good on the ball still, uh, you know, with Norwich liking, liking to, to play play out from the back and experience alongside some of the younger players. Ipswich have got him, whether he'll make a difference to them. He already has him in one or two games. But I was say that was my next question. I just think he, he might have been somebody that could have come in and, and helped that back line. That would probably be the only area that I would have looked to have brought someone in. I think as well, the players they have, they've bought into <coughs> Daniel Farker's system. And you bring a player in now in mid-season, will he be able to play the way Norwich want to play and buy into that system too? So you risk then trying to unsettle the squad. I just think right now it's a very tight group, a group who've been together in the main now for over a year. I think uh, you don't want to kind of rock the apple cart now and uh, I think, uh, you know, go with what you have. It's a curious situation, isn't it? Because Norwich... Um, They've seemed a bit short, especially with the injuries to Carlton Morris and Louis Thompson. They're now suddenly short of homegrown players. Is that any sort of issue? I mean, they've obviously got enough non-homegrown players to pick from and probably all the options they want, but they are going to have to name some homegrown players on the bench if, if they are really short. Yeah, of course. And, uh, but I just see that as a positive for the, for the young players that are in the under-23s now or below, that you could get a chance to be travelling with the first team and experience what the team are doing at the moment and also buy into how the team are playing, be able to watch first-hand what the, uh, what the first-team lads are, are doing. But there's also actually quite a lot of young um, foreign players that have come into Norwich that are still needing to be, to be given a chance that we haven't that we haven't seen quite a lot of players that, that haven't had a lot of game time that can still come in and, and impress. And they've done a bit of business with the under-23s, of course. Uh, this window, Emi Buendia, not his best game at the weekend. It's probably my fault for writing the column I did before that. But he'll still prove a very important player for the rest of the season, I'm sure. Uh, let's get some more messages. We were asking for the things you wanted to introduce into football from other sports. Obviously entirely sensible. Um, Peter Arnold says boxing gloves from Emmy Buendia. I think he'd be pretty handy in a boxing ring, actually, Emmy. I can see that. He'd probably nibble at people's uh, Achilles. Uh, Paul Langshaw, I'd like to see players wearing crash helmets. Could work, couldn't it, Dan? It worked for Peter Cech, didn't it? Yes, pretty much the same thing. Love it. Uh, Tony Miles, hi from California. Great to have a real legend on the show. That'll be you, Dean, I think. Are we taking that? It's not us, oh, it's Dean, yeah. obviously, yeah. <laughs> it could be Tony. But... It could be. And uh, Chris S., I'm a Leeds fan. Lovely to have your company, Chris. Um, so I wish you all. The, uh, I wish you ill over the weekend. <laughs> Sorry, um, but luck with the rest of the season. I'd like to see the really light plastic footballs, the kind you had on the beach as a kid, introduced in football. Now, would you fancy playing an actual game with one of those footballs that where you kicked it with the outside, you know, on the on the left side, actually bent the other way? No, they're so annoying. <laughs> they're so annoying, and they can make rubbish players look good because they hit it in the wrong direction. We go. Flips back here. My kind of ball, most definitely. Right. Um, keep those coming in. They were from YouTube. Thanks, YouTube watchers. Uh, we'll try and get on Periscope and Facebook again in a bit, in a moment. Uh, normally, we'd have Flip the Bird this week, but we're not doing Flip the Bird. We've canned it for this week. 
rest assured it'll be back next week almost certainly probably uh, likewise um, I'm off to the Norwich City Fans Social Club quiz after this raising money for the Community Sports Foundation so see you there if for some reason you're watching this and heading there uh, later I'm sure you'll hear all about the uh, events of the quiz over the course of the evening and I'm sure we won't win but we'll give it a go certainly not with me being there uh, but We'll move straight on to the fact that when we get guests in, we like to actually spend a bit of QT with them in terms of how things are going for them. So let's do that now. Um, Dean, now I see you quite a lot, although I don't get to speak to you because I mean, when we're working, it's quite difficult. But um, the punditry seems to be going well. You seem to be really enjoying it. And you're getting quite a few championship games in as well as Premier League stuff. I am, yeah, which is great because I spent you know, most of my career in the championship and also in, in League One, more so than I did in the Premier League. So um, I, I've always... I've always loved watching the league being part of the league so to get to do more games and obviously with Norwich being in the championship it, it's obviously very interesting in that sense and, and crew in league, in league two um, so that's been great and also I've been doing some work for Quest so the highlight show so that's been again superb in, in that sense and it's been nice to sort of really cover all the leagues which I haven't necessarily done uh, for quite a while um, you sort of get drawn to the Premier League quite easily but um, it's been really nice to to go back to kind of where I started and look at what is incredibly difficult leagues to, to get out of and, and can get in trouble very, very quickly. So that's been good. We're not going to have a talk about Portsmouth. I'm not going to dig my hole with that one. But uh, lovely to see you working with the esteemed television presenter, Colin uh, Murray. What, what's he like to work with? Is he good fun? He, he is, knows his stuff? He's very... Well, that's the thing, yeah. I mean, sometimes, obviously, people look at the jokes he likes to crack and, and he can be a bit silly in that sense. But actually, he knows his football. He's, um, you know, the work we do behind the scenes and in terms of analysing the games and, and what have you, he's, he has a lot of input in that. But he's just constantly desperate to get a quip in about what I'm wearing or what what's going on so I'm I'm almost waiting for because he'll never tell me what he's going to say so he'll always come out with something so I've got to be sort of on my toes in that sense well, that's that's a way of doing it I'm pretty sure he turned up on, with the same jumper as Ian Holloway one week so I wouldn't take any too much abuse off him uh, now I know we, you've been on the show a, a few times and we've had conversations about how hard it was once you'd retired so it's a little while now does it does it feel easier now that you can be around the game and work around the game com compared to when you first retired? Yeah, totally different. It was very, very difficult when I first retired, especially the first two years, which is it's hard because it's kind of when you're most wanted as such by the media because you've just come out of football. But We still want you, Dean, just, all the time, don't worry. I couldn't really cope at that point, so it was nice to take the time out. And now, obviously, fully back into, into working in the media, it's been fantastic. And I love... What I didn't get when I was, when I was young was the fans. I didn't understand them because I was never a supporter myself never went to games never understood what being a fan was about whereas now obviously working at the games walking to the games being in and around supporters um, I actually love that side of it I love going to the games early feeling that atmosphere seeing what fans do and then walking out of the stadium afterwards and seeing how just a game of football can totally ruin their life. It's just, it's, it's incredible. That's the negative side of it. Also, enhance them. Exactly, yeah. but when it's great, it's great. Which this season, Norwich has been, it's been the best atmosphere noise I've heard ever since I've obviously, from when I signed until until now, the atmosphere this season has just been incredible, which has been great to be a part of. I think it had been um, probably seven or eight years since I'd sat in the Barclay at the weekend and even just that was reminding me it reminded me of things that I'd possibly just put to the back of my, my mind I, I, 
I, I feel so far away from being a footballer. It's incredible. You know, I'm two stone heavier. I've actually just retired from retirement football. <laughs> I've decided I'm I'm never playing ever again. It's just not worth. Which ones did you play for? It was Quingleford or Horsford, I presume. Was well, I didn't it? play for. It was just a. It was either a charity game or or, or just a, a game with friends. I've just I've got to stop. So no team. I'm Wes. I'm awful, and it, it for the next month I can't. I put something on my on uh, on my Instagram where I'm trying to get off the sofa and I, it takes me about a minute to get up. It's just it's not worth it. I'm done. We can still remember that bicycle kick. That wasn't that long ago. Right, no, yeah. it wasn't. But the the Umbro Speciales have been <laughs> have been thrown out. So no team Wes, team Russ. No, no, I'll commentate on it. That's about it. <laughs> I love that. Great stuff. Um, so I mean, that make, I was going to ask you whether you wanted to do anything closer to the game, but it sounds like you're quite happy with your role you've got now. I mean. Coaching and management is something that does appeal. It's like I watch the the Sunderland documentary and you look at how managers deal with things and I actually like the look of it and like the look of how, the pressure and dealing with people but I'm just I still don't feel as if I'm I'm ready yet to even go out on the training pitch and that's like when I did go in at Norwich to do a bit of coaching which was great but still just didn't it just didn't feel comfortable to me and I, I love going to the live games and being part of that side of it. Just one more then, uh, just on the fans element. I mean, do you think that's something that younger players maybe should get exposure to? You know, being being amongst the, I don't know, can you send them amongst the fans? But as a fan, because oh, I think it would help massively. Because as, as you know, to, to get closer to the supporters is to understand what they sacrifice, how they feel about um, you know going to the games and, and how it makes them feel after the games. I think would be important. It would give more meaning to the players when they go out of what what actually your actions are gonna, the consequences of your actions, good or bad. Um, but also it'll get to them to see how fickle fans are and actually taking abuse at times or taking the applause you, you, you've got to sort of dim down both sides of it because because fans can change their mind like that very very quickly can indeed I, I have seen some of that myself uh, Dan um, so you've had a winter break the thing about Bundesliga you get time off don't you you've just been sunning it in somewhere foreign I've been doing bits at Quest with Dean so um we take, I think we had about five weeks off in German football, but um, it flies by, you know, and um, we've been battling effort for two weekends, seen some great games already this year, and uh, yeah, the winter break's nice, it does slow down a bit, but you never really stop as a freelancer, you're always kind of doing work and working elsewhere, so uh, it's like spinning plates, you know, one plate stops, the other one starts spinning, so you kind of keep yourself busy. And Do you think we should have a winter break in England? You know what, I think so, but I think because our leagues, it's 46 games, you, you can't fit them in, so... I think it would be good. I think it would need smaller leagues, but I just think it would give players that freshness to really kick on for the second half of the season. And also, it gives the fans, a, you know, the kind of almost two pre-season to kind of build up to. So, I think it would work, but I just think right now, in England, it would require too much change. It's interesting that indeed. I mean, you you love the Bundesliga. I, I think it, it's yeah, their it's, place. It's a great I mean, that, since you've been work, working on it, really, that it's come to your forefront. I've always liked it, but I think what I see now is you know full stadiums, um, teams who attack from the off, uh, young players given a chance. I mean, clubs like Leipzig, they will sign young players and put them in the team straight away, um, playing at a high level. Whereas obviously clubs in our Premier League. Young players get loaned out for three, four, five years before they get a chance. So it's a great league. It's one which I think is as strong as it's ever been. 
this year with a real kind of Dortmund buying title race as well, which is going to be really, really good. So uh, it's a league that I, I love it, and it's um, it's an honour to work on that league because it is so good week in, week out, at both ends. Indeed. Where are you off to this weekend? This weekend I've got Leverkusen, Bayern and Augsburg Mainz. And have you got the uh, have you got Dortmund Bayern later in the year? That's April the sixth, which may well be the kind of title decider. I'm there in Munich for that game. It'll be phenomenal. Ah, oh, what lucky guy! Uh, I mean, there's obviously quite a strong link, isn't there, really, between the Bundesliga and, and certainly what's happening here. But in, in England, I mean, we look at Liverpool, obviously, with Jurgen Klopp, um, Huddersfield, Norwich, of course, and and Jan um, Sievert. Sievert, I think I've said that correctly. Um, that's an interesting one. I mean, how how do you expect that one to go from where he's come from, really? Well, it appears that Dortmund too. That's the job to get to going to get. <laughs> job over here isn't it because obviously David Wagner um, Daniel Farker and now Jan Sievert so clubs in Germany play a certain way and I think it's a way that's now become very much for the British fan attractive um, whether they'll stay up this year I don't think they will I think they are too far adrift I think Sievert to come in there and pull off a rescue job is too much to ask uh, with the plays he has and the money he has to spend so I think for them it'll be about looking to next season and then try to kick on and get back to the Premier League for the year after it's just, you know, third time of asking of trying the same trick seems like a, a stretch too far but there we go I, I always ask you this any German talents for Norwich to uh, keep an eye on or you know sign up in, you know, in the next month or four As six I say, it's a league where young players get a chance so I think the chance of getting young players over here it's slim because they're playing in their first teams the one I'm surprised that hasn't kicked on really here is Paslak because at Dortmund he was such a highly rated young player but he's come over here it's not really happened at all for him so maybe they'll have to look elsewhere for their players in the future well, we will see brilliant stuff thank you very much gentlemen nice to have a proper chat uh, now uh, you may all remember that last week uh, we had author Ed Cousinslake on the show uh, and he very kindly set up a competition for you guys to win one of his Norwich City books signed if you wished of course you did uh, the question name the four goalkeepers to have played for both Norwich City and Sheffield United since the 1980s Ed's answers I'm reliably informed are in chronological order I think Roger Hansbury, Graham Benstead, Simon Tracy, and the one that maybe a few people tripped over, Mark Bunn. A select few got all four correct answers, and of those entries, we're delighted to confirm that our winner, selected at random by my colleague Mark Armstrong, is <clears throat> Marco Karkonen of Mikkeli in Finland. So, uh, Marco, well done. Uh, we'll be in touch to sort out which book uh, you would like and how we get it to you and of course whether you want it signed uh, and of course a big thank you to everyone who took the time to enter uh, hopefully we'll have more of these competitions between now and the end of the season Norwich City huge in Finland now it's the Timu Timu Puki effect now we've got competition winners from Finland you're ma major Norwich fans the reach of the Canaries goes far and wide yeah got a whole Finnish fan club which we know is true uh, right uh, let's have a break let's have a quick delve into the Norwich City archives for this week in Canaries history.
Good work, Tony. Loving your work. Uh, right, so we have got some more messages. Um, let's just ask a couple of these, shall we? Uh, Mel Bogan asks, Dean, why is kids support Manchester United? <laughs> they don't. No, they don't support. They support whoever Ronaldo plays for. That's, so they're that they're them kind of kids that just follow the follow the glory. They got they got time to develop a proper commitment to it. Say on Saturday, take, took them to Norwich. One of them kicking and screaming, but the other one enjoys going. So I'll keep uh, I'll keep taking them. So. Uh, and, and tell them they have to support their local team. Well said, Dean. Well said. Um, what else have we got here? Um, Steve Balls. Would it be good if the respect shown to officials in rugby was adopted more by players on a football pitch? Exclamation mark. I would have probably taken that one as a bingo for coming up, so well done, Steve. Um, and what else have we got here? Ollie Jackson. Don't care if we let in three as long as we score four. So there we go. I did hear some Norwich fans saying that I don't mind conceding a couple as long as we win, but I guess the point is, will you keep winning if you keep conceding goals? So, and that's the argument. Um, and I'll, but Ollie Jackson follows up. Don't forget, we haven't lost, or we've lost once in 17 games, which, as uh, Daniel Farker refers to, is the one with the <laughs> floodlight failure. So uh, <laughs> I think uh, we know where that one is, is blamed at. Brilliant. Uh, keep those coming in. They were on Facebook. I'll keep going through uh, more of them as we flow through. So... <clears throat> Despite the uh, FA Cup fourth round at the weekend, there was still plenty of championship action. So here is the latest picture. It was a tale of two penalties that ensured Ipswich left Villa Park with another defeat, while Hull's good form was ceremonially ended at Blackburn. Uh, Forest won for the first time under Martin O'Neill, and Leeds came back to win their Yorkshire derby at Rotherham. Come Tuesday, Nelson Oliveira marked his Reading debut with a goal from the penalty spot, but Bolton ended up with a share of the spoils. So Ipswich remains seven points and a few goals adrift of safety. Uh, a picture unlikely to improve too much before next weekend's East Anglian derby at Carrow Road, he says hesitantly. Uh, Hull dropped back into the bottom half while Preston improved. Norwich remained three points clear of Sheffield United, but are three points and two goals behind this weekend's hosts. The four behind them now have a game in hand, while the playoff hopefuls below are starting to queue up. So this weekend's championship fixtures end with the big one. Derby kick it off at Preston on Friday night, while the Hawthorns has the pick of the other fixtures. Ipswich host Wednesday, while Bolton head for United. Dean, did you play Ipswich in your Norwich career? Did you get Did you get a derby in your Norwich career? Yeah, at Portland Road, I think we won 1-0. Darren Hill could be scored from a tight angle from what I remember, but I was pretty awful that day. Unbeaten though, unbeaten Dean, take it. It's all about winning. (laughs) Um, We haven't touched on this this week. Uh, Norwich have only beaten Middlesbrough in the top six. Is that actually an issue? Um, Yeah, I mean, you want to take points off your rivals. And um, that is an issue. But I think other teams up there, they stumble as well. So it's not an issue because other teams are losing points as well. But it might be a concern. You know, but we'll see how they go the weekend because that game now is huge. <laughs> Certainly is. I, I mean, are there any dark horses? Do you think, Dean, you've seen a lot of action, obviously, this this year. Is there anyone sort of out of that lot who you think, mm, hang on, I mean, Bristol City have suddenly appeared yeah. at seven. Then I saw them they got linked Friday. with a striker. Now, which striker was it they were linked with in recent days? I'm putting everyone on the spot. Britta Sombolonga. They've been linked with Britta Sombolonga at Middlesbrough, which would be a hell of a signing given where Bristol City are. So. I saw them on Friday in the FA Cup and they were really, really good against uh, Bolton. Though they were superb. Um, the front three, Elias and Jeju, um, brilliant. I mean, they look really good and they're on a run. Um, so, that they could be a dark horse, we'll have to see. I mean, I, I, I sort of 
had a bet on Aston Villa at the start of the season and I'm, st I'm going to stick with them. I still feel as if at some point they're going to get it right defensively and going to go on a, on a very, very good run and could take... They're the type of team that could beat some of the, the teams at the top of the league and, and climb up that way. So they, they'd probably be the standout for me. Um, other teams like Hull and Swansea, I think, are, would be a surprise. I've always felt Swansea might come good, but and Villa, to be fair. But the longer it goes on, the less likely it seems. Any unsung heroes? Who have done? I mean, Birmingham have had a phenomenal season, really, given some of the stick they've had. To they do. have. I mean, back to August. I mean, they, they were going to go down, weren't they? They were the nailed-on favourites to go down. But um, Gary Monk's done a superb job there. Don't forget with transfer embargoes and all kinds of situations off, off the field there. To be where they are now, you know what, only six points off the playoffs. That's a superb season. Yeah, I think uh, QPR as well, Steve McLaren, at the start of the season, they got yeah. thumped, didn't they, by West Brom. 7-0, 7-1. Seven, seven seven yeah, and, and you know, lost a lot of their, their opening games, but turned it around. I know they've just dropped in back into the uh, into the bottom half, but again, the job he's done there with what he's, you know, what's been going on behind the scenes has is, is, is been brilliant. Um, and just finally, we like to ask the question, about Ipswich anyway um, signs of improvement at Villa Park I mean it seemed like they they just seem so open at the back and we're not going to talk about next Sunday because I can't even contemplate it at the moment but I, I mean you know it seems like he's obviously brought some players in mentioned James Collins what he's done he's got the spirit there and I'm afraid the team are too limited the squad is a league one squad uh, but they've got some fight I think there's too much to do this season. I think they will go down, but um, I think if they keep Paul Lambert there, he's got enough about him and the spirit about the squad to ensure they'll be competitive at least next season in League One. Yeah, I think, it, look, it's, it's almost, it feels as if it's almost impossible for him to go in there and, you know, win over the fans. I can't, he would have to do something incredible to win over the fans, but having spoken to some friends who are Ipswich fans, they said, like Dan said, the spirit of the team is better. They've looked better in games without getting the getting the results. But I just feel as if in the transfer market in the summer, it felt almost as if they were buying players in case they did get relegated. That's how it felt to me with the players that they they brought in and the manager that they brought in. So I just think they've obviously been they have been struggling for for many years. And actually, it showed what a great job Mick McCarthy had actually done. And he's probably just sat there chuckling, isn't he, when he was commentating at times. Get him on the show one day. That would be a, that would be a good one. I don't think we could pay enough for him, sadly. Uh, so it is first versus second, spies versus the moral high ground on Saturday. That's uh, for Chris S, who's probably not still watching. Um, I, now, I guess given we all work in the media, um, we're probably not so much nervous like the fans as just really looking forward to what is going to be a crack. I mean, this is it, isn't it? Top is the second in the championship. It's going to be a brilliant game. It is, yeah. And luckily, I'm, I'm obviously working on Saturday, so I'm getting to I'm getting to cover the cover the game for Talks what? The Quest. The Quest. Yeah, which will be which will be superb. But um, I just again, I think like the Sheffield United game, I'm looking forward to what should be a proper proper contest. Both teams will, will certainly try and enforce their own style on each other um, I hate to say it I just think Leeds will will just have a bit too much I just think that we've got too many players missing at the back uh, that could make the difference Tetty will he play or not and I, I just think Norwich uh, sorry Leeds will have a bit too much but I can, again I can see it being a 3-2 or, or a 4-2 or a 4-3 I, I can still see it being a, a very entertaining game I, I remember asking Daniel Farker this a couple of weeks ago that uh, how hard is it to have the balance between trying to say in example Ben Godfrey giving him a sustained period because that's how he deals with young players compared to bringing in your experienced players because you want 
your proven strongest 11 I guess to deal with a promotion push you know it's a it's a really difficult balance it is and this is a game where you can't really take risks Um, you're playing your chief rivals Um, you've got injuries and I think as well this one it's Master Bielsa against Apprentice Farker, two coaches who play really innovative football. Uh, Bielsa's methods, okay, we can look at the, the whole spy thing, and his preparation is incredible um, for, for a game. And Daniel Farker, obviously, they're the kind of up and coming coach who's making a name for himself. So, across the game, across the field, across the, the two dugouts, amazing battles. It's going to be some game, and as Dean says, there'll be goals for sure. Okay, quick ones. Um, so Jackie Morton has asked who will win the league. <laughs> Norwich Leeds or West Brom? Uh, zipped mouth. I'm going to change the question though. If if Leeds win, is that City's title shot over? Um, yes, I would say so. I, ju- I just think Leeds have looked strong enough to not keep slipping up week in, week out. I think that was a big moment against Rotherham the other day for them. I think the gap will be what it'll be um, what seven points with to play 16 more matches. It'll be tough. I think Leeds, as Dean says, looked really strong. They don't drop points in, in silly games. Um, I think at the back they may be more tight than Norwich are. Um, so yeah, it's a big game this weekend. I think if Norwich were to win it, it's wide open again. But lose and you know it might be uh, then Leeds is to lose. That would be some result. Uh, and another quick one because we've spoken about it a lot. Will Spiregate play any part in any of this whatsoever? No, I think it's been done and dusted now. Um, you can argue about if it is it right, is it wrong? No, no law was broken. You know, it's from, from from public ground and what have you. But I just think Bielsa's preparation, aside from that, is phenomenal. And a coach who, you know, invests so much into the teams he plays against, it's it's amazing, and um, it all helps him to get that kind of you know the the, the marginal gains. I think Norwich have conceded enough from set plays that he probably doesn't need to go and watch what they're doing. <laughs> no, I I, I, obviously because he's been caught, you wouldn't expect him to, to be able to watch what's going on, but I, I don't think it'll make a difference. Once once you set your teams up, the players have got to go out there and it's about them, whether they perform or not, not whether the manager has told them who's playing and who's not and the set plays that are being, that are being looked at. This It's down to the players. It's going to be a cracking game. So... Um, Let's have a look at your 11s, shall we? Because as we say, we like to pretend these guys are in uh, the dugout and see what they'd put for. It could be your audition here, uh, Dean, for when you become football manager. But we're going to Dan's first, is that right? Uh, there's not much actually between these two, but uh, Dan, here's your 11. Sorry, it was on it, my fault. There we go, there's your 11. Now, question mark over Teddy, presumably if he's fit, you play him. Absolutely, yeah, I think this is the game which is made for him. But uh, the back, I've gone for Grant Hanley coming yeah. back in. I just think they need his experience in the back line along with the with Zimmerman who's been superb this season but I just think uh, Ben Godfrey there a game where he might get found out as we say earlier he's not a he's not a centre back by trade and against Leeds a team who we know can score goals that's a big risk so I'd have Honey back in there for the weekend uh, It seems unlikely that Moritz Leitner would be fit he's been out for such a long time if Tim Closer was back fit would you play yes, him? Yes and, and who would you drop? Well that's it I mean maybe Clo- Closer for Hanley um, I think closer, if he's fit, he starts. He's that important for Norwich. So, um, yeah, if he's fit, he plays. Same with Teddy. Rest of the side, as was. Dean, let's have a look at yours. This didn't take long for you to write out in your email, did it? No, I mean, because of injuries, I don't think there's as many options as there possibly could be. But I think, actually, Ben Godfrey, that was his best game on Saturday. I thought he was better than Zimmerman. I thought he was excellent. It was Zimmerman's error for Billy Sharp's second equaliser, wasn't it? Yeah, but I just thought, overall, I thought Godfrey had a really, really accomplished game 
on Saturday and I'd, I'd give him an, a, another shot. I think he deserves on his performance from last weekend to, to start again. Again, it's hard to say whether Tribal should miss out because he's, he was absolutely superb again. They drew the game. It's not as if they were they were poor. And at the moment, I don't think I, I, I just I really want to put Todd Campbell in, but I just think at the moment them four that, that start up front deserve their places and look a real threat. And and uh, I think just Todd's been superb, absolutely superb. But just still got to work a little bit on that end product. The bit he does in and around the uh, the, the other opposition's half is great, but he still needs assists and goals to, to add to his play, which the other four have produced. He will, uh, he will come back into it, I'm sure. Are you impressed with the uh, connection Steeperman and, and Pookie have? We mentioned about that uh, earlier, but they do seem to they, they seem to be two players who know what the other one is almost going to do in a way. Yeah, I mean it's incredible to think Steeperman had played more at left back last season, and you and you've seen that. And then I I was um, I was reading that Jurgen Klopp had said that actually he saw him he, he was a number 10 in, in Germany and, and he saw him as that type of player and since he's played there he's been he has been he's been superb um, and like I said that link up between him and Pookie has been that's something that you they obviously work on because as soon as he gets the ball Pookie makes a run and they look for each other so um, again he's made that made the position his own comes from a lot of hours on the training ground doesn't it Dean don't just rock up in a game and suddenly you play it not like me on a Sunday um, which was a long while ago we're not going to talk about my football career brilliant stuff thank you gents uh, let's uh, just go through some of your quick messages shall we just do a great interlude uh, weather boy weather boy uh, love the show thank you uh, watching south of the border I presume that's Ipswich reckon those boys have run a tractor over the cable because the signal is as weak as the team down the road well there we go that serves me right for not reading that one all the way through before I read it out uh, Chris S says in Bielsa we trust that's uh, two messages from a Leeds fan and no one's sworn yet so that's good um, Andrew Poulton why on earth are we picking Godfrey at centre back over Hanley like Big Ben but this makes no sense we are letting too many goals in need to be much more solid and Jay Salt says disagree with you there impressed when I saw him at Blackburn away threat from corners wins his headers and he's better than Hanley at playing the ball out which is so important to our style of play love an argument on YouTube don't see many of those and uh, Hugh Topia um, obviously the discussion of uh, your other work uh, begs the question of Dean's fee um, well we bought you a coke didn't we so that was good yeah yeah I was at the bar about to get no I wasn't <laughs> no comment uh, so uh, thanks for those messages brilliant stuff four leads let's have your key man and a prediction. Ding, let's get yours out of the way first. Uh, key man's Buendia. I think he's been absolutely, he's been superb recently. And he's a little bit different in that he'll drift. He'll drift off kind of wherever he wants. He might start out on the right, but drift into spaces. And then his rotation with Steeperman's superb. I'd see him as the, the, the big player. I, I, find, I do just think Leeds will nick it though, 3-2. I have to say it, that's fine. Yeah. Dan? I think Vrancic. I think um, <laughs> the last few games he's really come in the team and he's really made a point that he deserves to be in that team. Um, as for the result, I'll say a draw, 2-2. Two, two. We'd probably take it. Mario Vrancic, by the way, more tackles than anyone else. No one would have uh, probably said that this time last year. That is it. We are done for this week's Pink and Show. Uh, remember, you can catch up with tonight's edition and all our superb Norwich City coverage on all our platforms, including the Pinkin app, but first and foremost, Pinkin.com. I'll be there at Elland Road on Saturday with Paddy Davitt and David Freezer. Remember, it's a 5.30pm kickoff because it's the game of the weekend, basically. Uh, so make sure you check out our big build-up, team news, live and behind-the-scenes coverage, reaction and analysis. And if you see any of us 
us around, then make sure you say hello. Uh, we will return next Wednesday once again at 6pm live for our debut at the Departure Lounge. That's exciting. Coffee's all round. Uh, that's on Prince of Wales Road in Norwich uh, with all the usual Canaries fun and games, of course. So please join us then, be it in the flesh or, of course, here online. In the meantime, a big thank you to our guests tonight, to Dean and to Dan. Gentlemen, what a pleasure. Thank you. Enjoy it. All good? Always a pleasure. Diet Coke. Appreciate it. Pleasure. That's good. Hopefully you'll come again at the cost of a Diet Coke. Um, To the Wolfpack, of course, for having us. Uh, To the crew, which is basically Tony on his own. Superb job, Tony. He's given me a salute. That's good. Uh, And of course, to you guys and girls for watching and for getting involved. We really do appreciate it. We will see you again next week. Until then, bring on the big one. May the best team win. And if they can't, We'll take a point. Good night.